Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. My name is Kellen Olson. Joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. I, I feel weird. What's up, man? Night pod. It, it feels really bright in here, which actually might be the lights. I'm going to turn them down. I was about night. to do that. I just realized too how bright it is in here because usually we don't even have the lights on in here. That feels better. You can turn it all the way down. Go all the way down. Yeah. Get, get wild. Yeah. We're in here. Vibing. Yeah, we're recording this at about 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday evening feels like it's that time of year kevin where we should specifically cite the date and time as trade season should be coming here any second we still haven't really had any moves that don't involve noah vonley we're still waiting <laughs> for our first trade without noah vonley but we're recording this on wednesday evening the suns are 21 and 24 we're gonna hit on some things that we talked about last episode but in a more refined way we kind of loosely just talked around the state of the team I, the last couple episodes have been extremely negative and for good reason because the team has not given us anything to talk about that wasn't negative for the most part I, Saban Lee has played well in the last week um, Damian Lee Josh Koji have had their moments uh, during this stretch Outside of that, though, it has been rough. They are 21 and 24 now. They are 5 and 17 in their last 22 games. But I, I think an important thing, Kevin, and this is how I'll kind of start our discussion for today's episode, is that I think I think one of the, mo- the most difficult things to talk about in sports is to, when talking about sports is understanding what other people mean and what their expectations are when they say certain things. So when you say the Cardinals were a disappointment this year, it's like, in what way do you mean they were a disappointment? What did you expect coming into the year? What disappointed you specifically? And the Suns have been a disappointment in the regular season thus far, even with the added context of the injuries and stuff. It has been a disappointing regular season, to say the least. But in something that I, uh, old man yelling at cloud, continued on the website tonight with a column that you can read on ArizonaSports.com, I had to write something specifically about the whole they should tank thing that oh. has been flooding my mentions of the Victor Wembanyama screenshots. I talked about this two episodes ago, and it is still continued, and Suns fans talking about the idea of a soft reset of tanking and all this kind of stuff, which is where I, again zoom out and I, I use the, fr- the 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 phrase zoom out a lot on this podcast because I think it's really important to kind of reset restabilize like where exactly are we at right now are we talking about the Suns anymore like they are one of the favorites in the Western Conference no haven't been we have not been for the majority of the regular season if not all of the regular season I think 10 games in you and I were like oh the defense is still excellent and they're going to be really 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 good in the regular season again probably yeah we didn't I don't even think we would say they were top two or three in the conference but I don't think we would have said yeah they're gonna be one of the two or three favorites in the conference like you said so we we are not we are not there but there is the extreme other end of it which is uh in my interpretation, again, difficult to uh, gets lost in interpretation sometimes. 
I have the sense that a lot of fans have given up on this team's title chances this year. And I feel like it's it, it's kind of a blunt way of me saying I wrote basically about this because I think people are going to write what I wrote, which the headline says Phoenix Suns extended skid does not eliminate opportunity to win West more intricately. I pretty much said, stop talking about tanking, please. There's no point in tanking. Imagine going up and telling Devin Booker in March, like I said on the podcast two episodes, hey, we're going to shut you down going to cite that groin and that hammy that's been bothering you going to give you these last 15 off we're going to be good to go for next year imagine doing that to Chris Paul imagine doing that to Mikael Bridges DeAndre Ayton anyone on this team but specifically Devin Booker the face of the franchise that doesn't make sense as well but that doesn't make sense with that specific example of the thing that would need to happen for in order to tank they still have a chance in the west and this is where people will disagree and I ended sort of ended the call by saying, if I didn't convince you, fine, whatever. We talked about this a lot last episode, but I just don't see the team in the West where, to, to pass it to you here, if the Suns do pretty well, pretty well given what we should expect in these last 30 games, because we're going to use the February 1st as the grading curve, if you don't know. We should have said this. I should have said this. We, I, I've been talking the whole freaking time. <laughs> I should have said a couple minutes ago, Cam Johnson set to return on Saturday. Huge news. Or on Thursday, I should say Thursday uh, against the Brooklyn Nets. Chris Paul upgraded to questionable. He was day to day, today, 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 today. I think I just did 11 days for the 11 days that he's missed. I'm not exactly sure how many days he's missed yet. It. He's questionable for Thursday. It's the first time he's been questionable in a while. It seems to indicate that he should be back at least at the very most by the end of the homestand. Feels safe to say he's going to play by the end of the week. They have a back-to-back on Saturday, Sunday. I don't know if it feels safe to say he's going to be back by then. Campaign's reevaluation day for his right foot sprain is on Sunday. Devin Booker's reevaluation day is a week from today, a week from Wednesday. So looking at the start of February, the 30-game date, let's say they go 17-13, 22-8, 23 and 7 somewhere in there they, they are 18 and 11 with Evan Booker this year and assuming they are just about at near full strength or at full strength over those games and they play that well Kevin would you look at them as a significance a bit a big word but a but a concrete underdog against any team in the west right now would you feel like they were a concrete underdog now would you or I this is a different thing than saying who, who who would we pick to win a series. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like they are a concrete for sure underdog against any team in the West? If we get that sort of stability, we ex- I expect. I think Nuggets and Grizzlies, if they keep on their trajectories, should be better. Because they're ahead of this, right? Like the Nuggets have been pulling away and their pieces are still kind of finding footing. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. hasn't played that well for what we've seen in the past, stuff like that. I'm talking we get the classic screenshot that Suns fans love to grab when 19 out of 20 ESPN writers pick the Grizzlies or the Nuggets. I think they're going to get that, and that's deserved, unless... But But in your eyes, eyes, do you view them that way? Is that much of an underdog in that type of scenario? That's what I'm trying to figure out and portray. I think so, until I see them roll off 10 straight. Okay. It's it's a lot of heavy lifting for me because I'm asking you to assume that they're going to kind of yeah. figure it out in the last two months and we remains to be seen. I, I think it's reasonable to think that it's possible, though. Like, I think how they've targeted returns 
I think they have huddled and said, okay, book, you're coming back then. I'm sure Chris saw Cam coming back and is like, all right, I need to, I need to start ramping up. And they want to start throwing things together quickly. And I think it's going to be good because I think they're going to put all the pieces back together by the end of the month or early February and then have like obvious purpose, right? It's not like we have to win the West. It's like we're playing for playing. If it, You're not if playing for home court. You're playing for, for... playing. And then once it's playing, it's we're playing for getting out of the playing tournaments and then maybe it's playing for home court. But I, I think they're going to be I, super it focused. Won't, it won't even get that far. I, I think their chances of a top four seed are pretty much done. Yeah. Now, let's say the Kings or one of these three teams at the top, but the Pelicans. If they get close, that's when I'm saying, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. There's six games left and they're three games back of fourth or something. Yeah. To me, I think to go back on your the, the tanking talk and either choosing one or the other, like that just blows a hole into everything you've worked to build in the last three years. So that's just madness, one. Like, Oh, we're we're the team that's gonna play all the time because we like to hoop. Like that's taking a shotgun to your like rowboat and blasting a hole in it and it's sinking. Like why would you? Just makes no sense. Uh, I don't know why I'm distracted by that. That aside, though, I, I just think that look, I think book coming back has to happen soon, end of the month, like they projected. Um. And, like, he has a good opportunity to do the things he was already doing and probably not getting credit for and carrying the team back into, again, the non-playing tournament. So I think that's where you have hope. And when you look at big picture, regardless of how you think this team is built this year, regardless of what they do at the trade deadline, whatever, I think that's the dude you look at and say, okay, that's why you don't tank, because you don't. You have long-term star under contract. You have pieces. You have two wings. One's under contract on a great deal. One's going to be unrestricted free agent or restricted free agent. And Brian Windhorst kind of had this super optimistic view on Bickley and Murata today, where he was like, well, "Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that in a bit." Yeah, yeah. I mean, even Da, he has value, right? It's he doesn't look tradable at all right now, but there's there's some type of value there, but. Big picture, this team has ways out of its current situation. It might come in a few months. It might not come in February, but there's zero purpose in not like trying to put this back together and seeing what you got in the next month. Deva Booker was named October, November Western Conference Player of the Month, and then a week later, that's when the hammy went. We wrote, I wrote a he was, MVP case thing for him, and like it was busy, yeah. but there was... It was as good as a lot of it, other people. If you've got that guy, that type of guy on your team with a decent supporting cast, you have a chance to beat yeah. anyone with an asterisk in uh, in a playoff series. Now, they've got that guy. So it's even if even if someone is someone of the let's say one of Chris Paul, Mikael Bridges or DeAndre gets hurt or, or Cam Johnson, one of those four gets hurt in early March and they're out for the rest of the year. I don't think you shut it down still. I think you still go. As long as book is good, you, yeah. you go. I, I That's my sentiment on it. Now, I would feel I covered this last episode, but to uh, go back here to what I wrote about here. In the East, 
you've got the Milwaukee Bucks, who won't have to reiterate too much here. Suns fans know. Playoff experience there, championship pedigree. You've got the Boston Celtics, just made the finals last year. Tatum and Brown, I I would be interested to see the amount of total playoff games those two guys have played to this point in their career. It's got to be some kind of record for their age and how many playoff games they've played already at this point. It's pretty ridiculous. And Boston, by the way, 33-12, and 12, have been the best regular season team in the league this year. You've got Philly, a lot of pedigree there with Harden and Embiid. Less so for me to take them seriously. I would list yeah. them behind Brooklyn and Cleveland. Brooklyn, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Enough said. As a group, you might feel less optimistic, but again, I'm going on experience and pedigree. And then Cleveland is the one where I'm not willing to throw them in with Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Boston, but I think they're just as good as those teams from how they're playing right now. But it, yeah. when when they have to really start to learn how to win games together in playoff situations, I'm not exactly sure there. And then, of course, the New York Knicks. I'm kidding. In the West, Denver has made it to the second round. Jamal Murray is back. Jamal Murray was looking like Jamal Murray. Then he tweaked his ankle. Even when Jamal Murray was looking like Jamal Murray, he was looking like 20 a game Jamal Murray, and he's not quite been 25, yeah. 26 a game Jamal Murray. It's it's kind of a, a different version of Clay happening right now where he is proving to be an effective player right now and a positive and like really helping them out, obviously, and giving them something that they need. But at he the same time, back, is, though, yeah. is he the all-star guy and is he going to be the all-star guy in time for... Because we're not talking about... They're talking about Aaron Gordon for the for the other all-star spot. They're not talking about Jamal Murray. Yeah, but but I will say on that one, it's he's a lot younger. I know that was a, what it was ACL, right? So it if, would not shock me if he was able to be Blue Arrow dude by April. And yeah. he's like one of those guys, kind of like Book as a young player, where he just has like so much experience being the dude and has this confidence about him that I don't know. If, I don't know if like general NBA fans know that, but like when he was seventeen on the. U18 Canadian team like he I think he killed the United States stuff like that where like that guy this is like a subsection of your Darius Garland rule yeah yeah I trust that guy to play big in big games if he's healthy and he finds a little rhythm at the end of the season if he averaged like 32 a game in a playoff (laughs) series you'd be like yeah yeah he's back that's that guy Memphis, which the last two postseasons, their last two postseasons, to me at least, I don't know how common of a talking point this is with them, have been defined by John Moran not really having enough help. Yeah. Luckily, there's this guy named Desmond Bain for them who is averaging 22 a game. He hasn't quite caught on to the, I think it was like 25 or 26 a game when he got hurt. He's been back now for nearly a month and he's averaging around 18, 19 a game, shooting around 40, 42, still getting his legs back under him for sure. Still only 24 um, in terms of the age there. The two things about those teams where I will cite some trepidation if Suns fans feel it, Memphis, uh, Denver 20-3 and three at home, Memphis 19-3. and three. I think it was Simmons who tweeted the other night, like it's cool to have teams at the top that have like a, there's a real, who gets the number one seed there could be super important yeah. just because of how good those guys, they're both 500 teams on the road, which has been a big trend in the year. And this year specifically in the league, New Orleans, Brandon Ingram has been out a long time. There was a there was a piece on I think it's called the Bird Rights, which is the um, SB Nation affiliate for the Pelicans, and they wrote they looked at star duos across the league and who's missed the most time. And Zion and Ingram are far and away uh, those two guys. 
I'm just going to say it for the Pelicans. We got to see Zion healthy in the playoffs. And until we do, that has to be factored into their discussion. And until we see Brandon Ingram healthy, I'm willing to add some concern there for me as the guy who right now, if I had all these teams fully healthy, I would pick New Orleans to probably win the West. I would I would do that. And then this, the best story in the NBA, Kevin, the Sacramento Kings, they are 24 and 18. They start a rookie. Their first guy off the bench is Davion Mitchell. Yeah. I really, really like the fact that De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis could both be all-stars this year. That's awesome. I love seeing De'Aaron Fox play like this. I think you and I, you can go back and listen to old, old Empire of the Suns podcasts. Uh, I was lower on him for his weight, I think, or something stupid like that. But we both... The shot maybe too. Yeah, but but I think you and I both always liked him as a player and just like, we like the concept of the super fast point guard, playmaking point guard. Yeah. Be good. And he's been fantastic this year so bonus has been amazing um but their depth is something that uh, concerns me and then fox has never been in the playoffs the bonus has played 13 games long time listeners and readers will remember a story that i did prior to the finals run where i looked at the context of teams with this much lacking experience this many starters who hadn't played playoff games before making a deep run it basically like never happens Suns were a very big exception because they had, I think, three starters, 25 or younger, 23 or younger, whatever I did exactly. But it backed up my thinking for a while, which has been first playoffs is a different beast. So that's something to consider with Denver and Memphis, too, where they have gotten their toes in. Same with New Orleans, but not to that extent of making the deep, deep runs, like the deep water that the Suns felt in the Western Conference Finals and the Finals specifically. I think you and I would agree that the Clippers weren't necessarily that much better of a team than the Nuggets or even the Lakers. I'm kind of... Not sure I can go that far, but the in terms of how much better of a team they were, but like the test of like that round specifically, you could really feel it in that series. They, they were the more veteran team, yes. So like talent-wise, I think you would be like, no, not on paper, no. But like even without Kawhi, it was like Ty Lue had been there a million times in deep playoff runs. They're just like Luke Morris is that guy who has been – in the NBA for so long and there were just little things where that team was like separated from Denver. Devin Booker triple double campaign game of his life plus value. They could have easily been the down Lakers two. Were like the, yeah, I they could know. have easily been down two over three oh in that series just because of the amount of poise that, that team had. That was a big thing when we talked about during that series. Is yes. like how many shots are they gonna make when they're down five? Like they just will not go or down eight. They just yeah. will not go away in a game. And that's something that I talk about a lot. So with those top four teams, and then when you go beyond that in the standings, Kevin, you've got Dallas, who is 24 and 21. Luka Doncic is, I think it's something like the last time someone averaged 33 or 34 in a game, you have to go back to so-and-so and so-and-so. It's like one of the things that's only been done a couple of times in league history with him with low 30s, mid 30s in scoring. That's where Luka's at right now. And they're treading water at the five seed right now. Yeah. It it turns out that the, the Jalen Brett, we went through their roster. A couple Jason Kidd was saying ago. like 10 games in, like we need to get this guy more help and being super <laughs> honest about it, which I appreciated, but they yeah. still have not found it. So we still don't know who plays for the Clippers. Uh, they're 23 and 23. The Warriors are five and 17 on the road. Uh, they are a 500 basketball team. I think if you had to go through all of these teams and sort them by threats, the Warriors would still be, if not at the top, near the top. We're not going to act like they aren't. And then you got Utah, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Portland. I understand the perils of the play-in, but I would I would have the Suns as a favorite against any of those teams in the play-in except for the Clippers and Warriors that would grant me pause, but like Utah, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Portland, 
yeah. playoff experience standpoint. Yes, Damon Portland, obviously, but Anthony Simons, Jeremy Grant. I, I don't know. That is my way of saying, Kevin, that I just I think they've got a real shot at this still. And to treat it as such, and the reason why I wanted to have this conversation and write that type of thing before the trade deadline is, let's say, Kevin, you are presented a trade offer for Jay Crowder, and this is Kellen Olson not plugged into the front offices, so he's not aware of the trade value that Jay Crowder has right now. And this is not to suggest where his trade... So if you hear me say, unprotected first-round pick, I'm not going to say that, and then they get two seconds for him and you freak out and be like, what, you thought you said that? <laughs> I, I'm guessing. Let's say a team calls you and offers you block contract, guy who's not going to play, and a first-round pick that'll be in the 20s either this year or next year. Or they offer you in a three-team trade, more realistically, the Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton type of player that we have been hearing lately. Pat Connaughton, not someone we've been hearing. That was Bobby Marks today in his trade primer, just kind of like, hey, here's a trade. What's a trade that makes sense for this team? And he did the he did the Connaughton trade. Uh, which one would you take right now and why? Uh, I swear I wrote something like this and actually went through the motions and not stealing from Bobby Marks, but the, the Pat Connaughton... Jordan Nora for Jake Crowder thing makes sense because that's two guys who've played a bit on a really good team can shoot can play defense play smart basketball they might not play but you add those bodies their wings and Connaughton can kind of give you some juice a little bit at can guard. I can I simplify it a bit uh, so we don't yeah. have to try and break it down like we're Pat Connaughton experts okay uh Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, DeAndre Ayton, like this own kind of tier, right? And yeah. then you've got like the must, the guys who are going to play off the bench. You've got campaign. I'm not going to put Landry Shamit there. You've Tory got has to in this Tory Craig in this case, and then you've got a line. Yeah, and I'm saying so. It's in if seven. you get a guy is that seven. I if you know. get a guy that has a case for the campaign Tory Craig group, or in the group below that with Damian Lee, Josh Okoji, yeah, and Biombo, I guess. Get more I options of those. Where certain matchups they would play, that's kind of that group. The one above it is like they play every night. Yeah. If you get a guy in either of those groups or a pick in the 20s, you would rather take? That group. I would too, and I've just seen a sentiment of get the pick instead for Crowder, and I don't... What pick? It's not even going to be a high pick. Well, the thing is, Kevin, it would be... I can't think of the word. What is it when you make a point and it interferes with what you've said before in the past? I can't believe this is happening to me right now. Just move on. <laughs> I, I really critical. I don't know. We would be looking past how in the past. Whoa, we're 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 sinking the ship here. We spent like two months talking about, hey, trade for a first round pick. You guys need young talent. So it would be hypocritical. Hey, there's the word. I just said that. You did? Yeah. Man, that's rough. I think. Dude, I don't know. It's been. <laughs> All right. It, yeah. This team needs that young talent. So we're not going to like roll our eyes at a pick of the no. 20s. Like, how yeah, could yeah, that help yeah, you? Yeah. And we understand how it could help them. But I'm saying I don't. Now, if we were looking at these standings, Kevin, and they were like going to play Giannis or Kevin Durant in the first round, potentially, because. I'm curious. Have you looked at any of like the 538 stuff right now or anything like uh, the basketball? Odds. 
simulators yet. Yeah. I I don't really sh- I'm not really sure where they lie in terms of like are they more likely to make the plan? Are they more likely to kind of finish like wherever here? You know, kind of that sort of thing. So they they uh five thirty eight chance of making the playoffs, and I believe that is that is top six. I would say uh, they have the Suns at seventy three percent. Yeah, right now because that numbers based on their roster being healthy. I will say this, like, I think those types of players aren't going to fix your roster holes, but if you're the general manager, you put this team together, your whole goal is to be as good as possible. Um, You're not going to just give up, and this kind of goes back to tanking, but you're not just going to give up on trying to make this team as good as it can be now. Now, if the summer comes and there's a sign and trade for Cam Johnson, that's a different scenario where you've already failed this year. Or maybe you didn't fail, but in any case, you've decided whether we can keep him, right? And we've gone as far as we could this past year. It's over. It's over. I think then that's a different scenario where it's like, okay, I can get a pretty good top 20 pick maybe for cam johnson for example but honestly like crowder trading him now not even is it like you have a choice on what you take back it's really just like you need to take something back right and i think those types of deals where it's two players coming back is going to be much more acceptable for another team than getting a rental jay crowder for a first-round pick or even an early second. So I don't even know if it's a real consideration, but I think there's just like a lot of reasons why, hey, if it gets you two rounds deep instead of one by adding Jordan Orr or Pat Connaughton, who gives you a little extra something, another body for an injury, um, that that just makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, so for reference, uh, 538's sort of or to make a playoff run to make the playoffs yeah for 538's numbers uh they have the warriors at 71 percent they have the lakers at 24 clippers at 39 yeesh uh timberwolves at 40 jazz at 61 trailblazers at 37 the kings by the way chances of making the playoffs the kings 58 percent and they're in the four seed still and they're in the four seed so they are 538 is essentially betting on the Suns. They have the the Kang's analytics in there correctly, is what they have. They're betting on quite a run because their projections have the Kings finishing 42 and 40, and then they have the Suns and Warriors both finishing 43 (laughs) and 39. I believe that puts them in a top six spot here, if I can count real quick. It would put the Suns in sixth, which is (laughs) pretty interesting. That that's where I'm at. I I've been asked like a couple of times because I've uh, haven't been in the office for like a week, and people are just come up to me using their using me as their litmus test, kind of how, where how worried should I be? And I just keep telling everyone like I think they're going to make the playoffs still. Yeah, like it might be through the plan, but they're gonna they're gonna make the playoffs. I I think at worst I'll, I'll go this far. At worst they finish eighth. I don't think they're going to finish ninth or tenth or worse. Ninth or worse. With the of course benefit of. They will start to get some regular injury luck now because we talked about the guys coming back 
Landry Shamit's back to missing games again for a right foot soreness. We haven't seen a right foot pop up for him on the injury report yet. And then Josh Akogi broke his nose. We don't know how long that's going to take for him to get back, but those are two rotational players in that same group we talked about. But of course, getting Cam Johnson, Chris Paul back outweighs losing those guys. If they can, if they can get some sort of realistic luck here over the next two months, I, th- I think they're going to be fine, which correlates to the trade deadline and what you were talking about with Windhorse. And we should hit on that before we go. What was your interpretation of what he said and kind of what you took away from it? Cause he, if for those who don't know, we're like mentioning ESPN's Brian Windhorse. He has been the most connected Suns reporter outside of Gambo for the entirety of the season, essentially. As we have talked about in the past, the Suns are a Baxter Holmes, but true. The Suns are basically a wasteland most of the time when it comes to the likes of Shams and Woj, and we've heard time after time um, this guy or that guy mentioned by Jake Fisher or Mark Stein as an interest. Gambo checks with the sources. Gambo comes back and. They play Don't Fear the Reaper or whatever they play, Black Hole Sun, whatever, on the radio to indicate like, nope, they're not going after this guy at all, the D'Angelo Russell thing they do. Uh, But uh, Windhorse has had some good information over the last couple of weeks, including what we talked about. To really sum it up, he wrote the story on the Sun's weird ownership situation where it's like Sam Garvin's interim, so he does day-to-day business things. James Jones is obviously in his position trying to tread water during this transition. Robert Sarver has to sign off on deals that are more than 10 and 0.9 million-ish. So there's just like a lot of different weird processes because this team is undergoing a sale, and that's different. But he was actually super optimistic, and the one kind of newsy bit is he said he wouldn't be surprised if the deal closed at the end of February. Now, that's not obviously soon enough for the trade deadline and, and figuring out what the team will do, but Windhorse also said, like, Robert Sarver obviously kind of said Matt Ishby is going to buy the team, and they've already had meetings, like Ishby has been... In, like meeting with people who work for the Suns currently and he wouldn't be surprised if Bia showed up at a game soon and this all kind of boils down to this looks like it's going to happen the NBA board of governors has to like sign off on everything and say this guy's a good owner we want him to be part of the NBA circle whatever um but it basically looks like it's going to happen and it's going to happen soon probably. And I think Windhorse's big deal was like, that's going to clear a, a lot of stuff up. The Crowder thing, it has to go away because you don't want to just like buy him out. You don't get anything in return in that case. Um, so they'll take some deal. There are a lot of deals on the table. Probably Suns fans might not like them all, but this is going to clear up in the next two months, I think. And I think his overall point is, look, you have Devin Booker under contract. He's a superstar. Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson are under contract right now. Different scenarios. DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton, you have your opinion about him, but a team gave him the max. At least one team did. Some people might value him still. And Cam is Cam is under contract, but restricted uh, this summer. Which helps to some degree if, if you want to trade him. So, so Windhorse did say, like, look, they could get off Chris Paul's contract still this summer not resign cam johnson you could act with salary cap space if you want to go a different direction because you still have those four guys who are like under your control in theory 
Um, there is not going to be a supreme fall from grace here. Now, no. that is already in the process of happening, of course, because this was a team that made the finals two years ago, won 64 games a year ago, was the title favorite a year ago, and is now not even, I, I think the total odds probably have them seventh or eighth or ninth, somewhere in there for NBA title odds, which is a fall from grace, but it's not like they're going to, they've got a chance to be really, really good still for quite a while here. At the end of the day, if this team iteration of it is blown up because they make the first round and peter out, like what? I don't know. You still feel good about the future, right? And there's a lot more optimism based on the new owner being a guy who so far we, we think is going to have a lot of care about the product, played basketball, all that good stuff. So I, I don't know. I, I think his whole thing was like, Suns will be fine. Like teams don't like the Suns being good because the Suns can say, hey, you guys can come here. It'll be fun. It'll be not cold. Your tax bill will be great. I'm like living taxes, not basketball taxes. So I, I don't know. I, I think that's a good perspective, in, especially after the last decade. But yeah, I, I don't think this team has the juice to go very far until we see something new. Um, but like, would you rather watch playoff basketball or not? I don't know. I am willing to believe it before I see it. You are, you want to see it before you believe it. Wow. We could have just said that and like just been instead. Done. I spent two minutes trying to think of hypocritical. It's, <laughs> hey, if you've been, if you've been here, if you're listening at minute mark thirty four or whatever, uh, you're you're in it. So we we appreciate you as always. My one interpretation was HB is ready to hit the ground running. Yeah, there was some. I, I believe Windhorst saw Mike V Hill's tweet and wanted some clarification on exactly what he said in terms of like people that are going to be coming with him or that are going to be under staff for him. However, he phrased it exactly. But the way that Windhorse was talking about, it, it's like once Windhorse, uh, once Ishbia gets here, he's not going to be going to old town, hiking Camelback yeah. Mountain and kind of getting a feel for the city for a month. Like now he's going to come he here and be ready he to put go. in a lot of resources in making sure that, this groundwork groundwork to like hit the ground running yeah and not necessarily like hires that work for the suns but i guess i i guess it, he meant it as prep to be a good owner you like to hear it in yeah, any case in any case uh cam johnson back playing basketball on thursday we expect to see chris paul back then we would talk about expectations and what we think is coming in terms of their level of play, but Cam is specifically a guy where the surgery he's coming off of, the rehab that he's coming off of, he's going to be on lighter minutes here for a couple of games, so it would kind of be unfair to talk about the, oh yeah, they play him at the start of the second and fourth quarters, and he's used like this in the offense, remember all that kind of stuff, and them outscoring teams by 30 points per 100 possessions. Monty well, might play him 36 minutes, to be honest. He said he's on a minute restriction. Monty has a history of saying guys are on a minutes restriction or putting a number on it and then overplaying that that number, I will say. Uh, but then Cam is also a guy who I kind of meant to look this up, but it never fit in either story that I wrote today of just his shooting splits in like the first 10 games he's back from an injury. I would assume they're not great. Usually it takes him a while to get his feet back. So like more next week, we're going to talk about... They need him to play though. Yeah, how Cam Johnson <laughs> looks, how Chris Paul looks. And if there's any more news, because the next time we podcast, we should have some sort of news on on Payne and Booker who... Uh, 
Booker was the one we saw shooting today after practice going through his own shooting workout in the way that Monty phrased it as he did a lot of what we do but without contact and said he still has a lot more boxes to check. It seems like two weeks is fair to say. Yeah. That's my two cents in terms of what I've seen him do, the very limited amount that I've been able to see of what he's done, and then kind of comparing it to other situations I've seen where guys miss four weeks and how long it takes them to ramp up their conditioning and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I would be shocked if he's not back by the first week of February. That would be my thing. Bold. Just my uninformed observing self. I said the same thing on uh, the cams and I'm getting there. So we're going to talk about Kevin Durant trade scenarios next time. Mm -mm. No, Uh, we'll do a trade deadline primer in the best way we can possible. Here were you and I thinking about our Kyle Kuzma, Pascal Siakam (laughs) stories. And you were asking about the Kuzma story. And I was like, we should push it out sooner rather than later, actually. And this is why, because they've gone on quite the losing tear that have definitely shifted the consensus. I still stand by what I wrote even now, because the whole thinking behind it was, can this be short-term and long-term best of both worlds? Hannah Montana at the the same time. But with that in mind, we're going to sort of look at it through a different lens, not necessarily as targets and more of reevaluating the state of the team, because you kind of briefly touched on it there. We didn't hit on the games. Not the best sample from DeAndre uh, in, in this last week. And then, of course, Mikel has played well in the last couple of games. But even for someone uh, like Mikel, it has been a rough four to six weeks of both of them learning what it's like to be a top dog a in the double NBA. team? What is the... Oh, no. He said it on the air today. Like, he said, I don't think, like, I, not even back in high school. I was pretty sure that was a thing. But in the writing, I've been saying college just to be sure. But even in high school, like... All these NBA guys, they averaged like 40 points a game in high school or whatever. Mikel just averaged like 18 or whatever, I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And he didn't deal with traps. Like the Warriors in that game were started trapping him in the fourth. And I was like, I never expected in my life to see Mikel Bridges trapped. And here we are. Here we are. Do they win one of these three? Brooklyn, Indiana, Memphis? Yeah. I think so too. little energy from the guys back. I think Chris is going to come back soon, but I could be wrong. You're going to go Saturday? See our buddy? Old Benny? Tyrese? Oh, are you going to ask... Sticks? Are you going to ask Rick Carlisle about that max contract they uh, offered out? No. I think you should. <laughs> That'll be funny. We don't talk about other oh, teams' players. Always known as a jokester, that old... Uh, <laughs> Rick Carlisle. Yeah, Memphis is a tough ask on the second game of a back-to-back, but I think Indiana presents a good opportunity. And then Brooklyn tomorrow, no Kevin Durant, and they are in a similar boat as the Phoenix Suns when it just comes to when one of their top guys is out there in quite the amount of trouble. I don't know the exact game, KD. I think it's the one in three without KD right now. They're off three straight losses. Oklahoma City, San Antonio. He was having a ridiculous in Boston. Guess they who should, they're leading they trade for him. Guess who their leading score was against San Antonio. Who are you ready to see tomorrow, bud? Our old friend. Come on. TJ Warren. TJ Warren. Yeah. Averaging 11 a game. Shooting 53%. Not turning the ball over. Doing the thing. Sounds like TJ Warren. That's TJ Warren. Hope he can stay healthy, man. It would be fun to see him do the PJ Tucker thing of the Suns guy who dealt with a lot of losing and be a contributor on a playoff team outside the crazy bubble where he was like bubble MVP until Devin Booker snatched that, snatched that thing away from him.
All right, everyone. We'll be back next week. Hope you have a good rest of your week. Enjoy this weather we're having. How lovely is it right now? Love, love some chilly rain. How was your run? It's cold. <laughs> right after COVID. Yeah. Hop on out there at 40 degrees and run a half marathon. Yeah. You did it. I'm probably going to get dad sick now. again. You, you have to like, you have a standard to uphold. You had no choice. I didn't have fun the first half. Full Any Austin Ford thoughts before we go? No. I Me don't. neither. Bye, everyone.